0: hope you've submitted something for Spooky Spokes. If not, we're going to be out there in the dark, underneath your favorite bridge, behind a creepy bush, waiting for you. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, your source for motorcycles, mayhem,
1: and I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this fucking thing. The kangaroos is leaping down the street every
0: day. And After isn't that down funny down how people say not to be an asshole, yeah, but I do want to be an, be an asshole. asshole. You're 41 and started a race career. My skin met the asshole. But these new kid, new ways kit my. Might... I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. I have to stop talking shit. <laughs> Alright, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. All right, technically all chaps are asses, right? Uh, I'm going to pick a word of the week to, oh my God, let's do debatable. That's a good word of the week because every, everything on the show will be debatable. <laughs> I was going to say that's debatable. so. <laughs> uh, the- so is that a good word this week? I don't know yeah. debatable. We'll see We can be about it all night if we want uh, our, our choice of Our choice of uh, Motors certainly should not be debatable that's, <laughs> that's one thing So everybody, yes I am sick this week And yes, this week's word Is
2: Debatable
0: Sent to us by the folks over at Wingman's Garage Thanks Wingman's uh, And Doubtably. Debatably. Debatably. This will be a very good show. Alright, let's get into it. Hey, also before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show, I'd like to say uh happy birthday to one of our very first guests. Actually, I think it was our very first guest, uh definitely from Wisconsin, our first racer on the show, uh Chris Singheim. Happy birthday this uh, week, buddy. I think you you you're always 26 or 29, whatever it is. Never ask a a racer his age uh or his times. All right. Hey, let's uh, let's replay some music and get back into this show Um, we're just gonna roll right here on episode 96
2: there's nothing more hooligan than getting kicked out of a hooligan (laughs) race. yeah
0: all right so hey welcome to this week's episode of the creative writing motorcycle podcast episode 93 uh, just kidding. It's, it's like 96. <laughs> I think it's 96. Yeah, it could be 93. It's it's actually 96. I have it written down on my calendar even, and I totally just boom, nice. m- muffed it right there. So uh, this week, we got a couple things on the menu. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I wanted to uh, talk to Chris a little bit about last week's uh, uh. motor challenge.
2: Oh, last week's meter challenge, yeah.
0: So I just wanted to let you know, um, just to start this week off on a positive note for you, that, uh, yeah, it kind of seems like you kicked my ass 3 nothing. (laughs) Well, I can live with that. I don't know about (laughs) you, but I'm pretty good with it. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed because, uh, well, here's the deal. The Wingman's Garage, I know they only get back to us or they, I think they only put out a show every two weeks. So I think they're going to be kind of doing this like, uh, in between. You know, I'm gonna, I might have to hit them up for their for their answer this week. But I know that they answered our our challenge on air last week. Um, oh, rad. So the misfits, I don't know how many of them put their two cents in, but the vote came back. Uh, you know, are you an idiot for picking the square four? And then Phil his response was aerial square Ford, You got a time machine, which I <laughs> was like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I kind of meant, I feel like it meant like, dude, are you an idiot for picking the square? four? Well,
2: I mean, I kind of wonder like, even with the misfits and I'm not like complaining about their decision, but I'm like the square four is a super weird motor. And that was yeah. kind of like the premise of the whole challenge was like, who could find weirder motors?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. That's that's the thing is that I feel like it was crazy motor, but we asked the wrong group of people because we asked people that are looking for, like, reliability and people that, like, you won hands down because they were like, dude, the CB750 is the great-granddaddy of everything that is now. And, like, yeah, it was super crazy at the time, and now it just is, you know? So they were, like, super stoked on that, the fact that you can still find parts and well, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's your fault. You picked the wrong judges. Um. So yeah. Anyway, I got this really, really, really good feeling about this week's uh, picks, except for the fact that it's a good feeling that I think you're gonna win again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. For, for we, I we picked these motors. Um, Liza actually called me uh, about something totally unrelated this weekend, but. Mm-hmm. She said, you know what? You picked these motors and you picked them based on, uh, well, I don't know. You picked them based on, I don't know what your like idea was going with it, but you should have had like something laid out, like what would best power an underwater sawmill or what would best power this? And I was like, dude, are you what? So for me, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, she was saying that that's part of the reason why I'm going to get my ass handed to me this whole (laughs) challenge. I feel like
2: that's even a weird question too, because it's like, if you wanted something that would best do something, you're not going to pick a weird motor.
0: You're going to pick something
2: that, you know, works like, yeah. So I don't know, but whatever, we'll fly with it this time. And and when we do another (laughs) challenge later, we'll figure something else out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We'll figure out like what would be, uh, you know, we will have like some weird, like secondary role for, for it or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, this week's, uh, motors, I have a feeling are are pretty good too. Do you want to, uh, you want to flip a coin for who goes first?
2: Uh, I don't know if it matters. I'm kind of, uh... It sounds like the judges are they even like listening to the episode to judge, or they're just like listening to what the picks are, and they 're like, okay,
0: well, I know Liza isn't because i I sent her my thing, and five seconds later she sent me back what what this week 's winner already would be as her vote, so I know Liza doesn't give a rat's ass what our our reasoning is
2: what the picks are
0: yeah, so I'll, I guess i 'll let you go first again, okay. And now, this week's Motor Challenge!
2: Alright, so my pick this week is, uh, I, uh, I reviewed this with, uh, I got a, my boss at work actually used to work for uh, American Honda too, so I reviewed it with him, he was like super excited about it. But my pick this week is, uh, like, motor configuration-wise isn't really that weird. Um, But the reason I picked it is because motorcycles are a luxury item, at least in the United States. Um, And in California, like, and people that do commute on motorcycles, like, they're not people like, oh, I don't have a car. I can afford this scooter. I'm going to get this scooter and commute on it. Most people that commute on a motorcycle are, like, motorcycle people that are, like, I'm going to ride my motorcycle to work because I ride it on the weekends and it's fun. So I'm going to ride it to work too. So this one, like I feel like it's a great all around bike and it was designed like for the commuter that still goes and hits like the canyons or the track. Um, You can ride cross country or you can go ride like big willow on it. Like it's a, it's a capable all around bike. Um, And what I liked about it was like, Another thing with motorcyclists, you know, in general, a lot of motorcyclists being again, that it's a luxury item, like people don't necessarily want electric bikes and I know it's debatable, and I know the future is coming and and things like that. Um, But in general, people that want a motorcycle, like they want a gasoline combustion engine, like that's part of the feel. It's like part of the thrill. So Honda did what I think was like a great idea in, they kind of incorporated some like car technology into a bike on making it more efficient, but making it have power at the top end. Um, and just giving you a, a, like kind of a well-rounded, um, usable bike. Cause if you go buy a CBR 1000, like, yeah, you can commute on it, but you always have 160 horse.
0: Um, yeah.
2: And and another thing is like if you have a CBR 600, um, just because I'm so used to using Honda, so I say CBR, not Jixer, but <laughs> like they're kind of a turd. Like if you're riding around town and you're at 3000 RPM cruising, which they do, and you pull the throttle open, it does nothing <laughs> like you have to shift it two or three times to get it up in rpm now on a 600 once you hit nine or ten thousand rpm like they are a rocket ship and they just keep climbing to 12 13 14 whatever but you know it's not like a usable power if you're commuting at the same time like i'll use my ducati as a an example like it's it's a great little air-cooled two-valve motor and one of the reasons i like it is it's air-cooled and i don't want all the radiators everywhere and i'm okay with losing some compression and losing some some performance tune out of the motor because it's air cooled but i can get rid of stuff like water lines and radiators and i'm okay losing five or ten horse whatever it is yeah so the motor i picked for the week is a honda vfr 800 with VTEC. um i felt like the VTEC was such a cool innovative thing to put on a bike especially like this that is a sport touring It's a good commuter but it's that it's a touring and a sport bike like it's sport touring so it gives you like this cool mix of both like you can get out on the freeway and you can cruise it three or four thousand five thousand rpm and it's going to cruise nice and smooth it's a little bit different than a car um i'm not 100 sure on the honda cars but it's i believe it's more of a variable valve timing the VTEC, um and on the vfr it was a two valve to four valve So you're riding around at below. When it first came out, it was 6,800 RPM, and then they changed it to 6,400 RPM. And uh, is when it turned on. It actually didn't turn off until 6,100. So you know you're cruising around up to a little over 6,000 RPM on a two-valve motor. And in general, I feel like two valves are pretty good down low. Like they're good on torque. You know they, they work well there Which when you start turning them really hard That they kind of lose their efficiency And then the VTEC kicks in And you have a 4-valve head So it's kind of like a cool Thing that you get in one motorcycle um, I know with the cars And I would, I would guess on the VFR Being an 800 4-cylinder It probably revs Being that it's not a race motor like a CBR600 It probably revs what 12-13,000 RPM mm. I haven't really seen a red line On it anywhere um, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's eleven or twelve. But anyway, if you're on a racetrack, you're probably keeping it over sixty, one hundred RPM. Like, so you're gonna stay in VTEC the whole time. So you're gonna have that like race bike feel. Like you're gonna have that four valve head activated, if you will. Um, when you're out really giving it and having a good time, and then when you get on it Monday morning and you throw your hard bags back on it and you cruise to work. It's going to be a nice little two-valve motor, so I think it's just a cool thing that they they did in one. Being a Honda fan and thinking of the RC30 and RC45, like I love that it's a V4 and the old VFRs. But so I love that it's a V4. Um, they went under-seat exhaust, I believe, in maybe it was the gen before the the VTEC. Um, I think they dropped the VTEC for the 1200. That was kind of a flop. And then now they're back to the eighth gen that came out in 2014 VFR 800F again. So, but um, I just thought it was like something super cool that they put on a motorcycle because it's like, it's a cool, happy medium, if you will. Like it's not a full on two valve slug or it's not an electric, but it's more efficient than it could be if it was a full on four valve, but it's, I don't know. It's still, you can take it to the track and have a four valve bike and then you can ride to work on Monday and have a two valve bike. So I think that's just a cool thing that they did.
0: Yeah. Well, here's my, well, my deal on that is that a, that's vision, and B, I think Honda's the only company that's done it uh, until I think the Gixxer, the new Gixxer has it.
2: Is it a two valve, four valve deal, or do they do the timing?
0: Like the it's a timing. It's like VV... Okay. V, wait, what is that? Variable so it's like valve more timing. more like the Toyota yeah. VVT? Yeah, that's what it which is. Which actually, the Honda
2: VTEC is a variable valve timing. They just don't call it VVT. And I also read in the reliable source of Wikipedia, because that was about the only information I really found on it, um, that it was the first non-JDM motorcycle to use VTEC. Huh. So I would, I would guess being that now Jixer or suzuki is the only other company to do it i would guess that honda is the one that did it before maybe on a 400 or something like that in japan but yeah that's cool it's cool that uh other people are picking it up even if it's not the two valve four valve one because i'm not against like changing the valve time or the cam timing like i think that's a cool way too. like the cars do it so
0: yeah i wonder how they did it too because the new Jixer uses like a, um centrifugal ball bearings to actually kind of and like a Kind of like a splined star shaped inner shaft that, you know, as huh. the ball bearings move out, they force that ball to rotate or that, you know, the yeah. shaft is like uh kind of yeah. curved on the inside. So as the ball bearings so, rotate out, they push, you know what I mean? As they go to the edge, they push yeah. those ramps down, sort of. It's like a ramp system, I guess you could say.
2: The uh a lot of the cars I think are in oil pressure. So I don't know if it just hits a certain RPM and the pressure gets up enough. Um what I was reading on this one, it was an electric actuator. Oh wow. That allowed oil to flow to the lifters. Huh. I thought I had it, oh, I do have some of it um, highlighted, but yeah, so that's what it did, though. It was but it was electric, which what I like about that, if you were you know the 14 to present, but if you were Honda and for 18 or something, you wanted to do a new VFR. Like a lot of the, or, I mean, now this could be done, you know, obviously if Suzuki's doing it, it could be done on CBRs and stuff like that too. But a lot of the Yamahas and a lot of the new sport bikes, I don't know what all wants, but they have the like mode select on the bars. I know my FZ09 had like AB and C mode. Yeah. So you could have a VTEC VFR or a CBR 1000 or whatever, and you could basically change the, the valve timing or the cam timing by the mode select or on in this case, if it was a two valve, four valve, you could put it in two valve mode or flip it to four valve mode. Crazy. So the only thing I don't like about the idea is I would think, you know, if you commute a lot on it, you're going to take it in for it's whatever, 20,000 mile valve check and two valves are going to need adjustment and two valves (laughs) are going to be brand new and they've never even opened. Right. And they're going to be carbon shut. So, I don't know... That is so crazy because,
0: yeah, they have to be shut all the time or else, you know what I mean, like, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. You'd be losing compression somewhere.
2: Well, and it's not like... And I don't even know how they would do it. I mean, I'm sure Honda could figure it out because they're good with that. But it's not like one of them, you know, one set works for 10 RPM and the next one works for 10 RPM and they rotate, like, back and forth. It, From what I understand, like, you got two that run all the time and two that kick in during VTEC. So... It's kind of like, like that to me was weird. Like that's a weird maintenance problem or question, you know? (laughs) So because you also like, I would think that a lot of people who buy VFRs, they put a decent amount of miles on them.
0: Yeah. So, but
2: yeah, I thought it was a cool innovative thing. Um, And it's neat to see, I did not know that Suzuki was doing it with Jigsaw. So it's, it's neat to see that other companies are putting a spin on it or utilizing it or whatever. Like it's good technology that we can have. You know, because again, like CBRs are fun, but could it be a better around town bike and be just as good as a track bike? Yeah. You know, because hey, people are going out buying full on race bikes and they're not that great. Like CBR 600 is not that good in town.
0: And you see a lot of people commute on, um, Hayabusa's and stuff like that but they're a little bit bigger you know what I mean like they're almost like just a sporty tour you actually you know and people on FZ1's like you could probably track an FZ1 but they also make a way better like sport tour you know what I mean then
2: but when you look at the Concorde or the the FZ or the whatever it is the Cowie 1400 and then the Concourse 1400 the ZX14. So, like, they've taken pretty well the same platform, although I believe they shaft drove the concourse. But, yeah, it's pretty well the same motor on a sport touring bike and a yeah. drag
0: bike. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I know some pers- I know one person that's going to be flipping their wig uh, if they had one over this bike, and that is uh, Paul, a.k.a. Bry Viffer, that has, like, four or had (laughs) last year he had like five vfrs in his garage i i thought his facebook profile was a joke i thought because it had like five of them in a row but he really had five i think he gave two of them away or sold two of them i think he still has two or three so he loves those things
2: yeah like i personally love v4s in the the 800 i think it's a good looking bike it's got a couple little styling things that personally i'm like yeah but is it
0: that what the the rear turn signals
2: that's part of it they're kind of in- integrated in something and i think yeah. the rear taillight's <laughs> kind of big but yeah that's just... it's like
0: that's my deal is the whole back kind of looks funny because the turn signals and the taillight are all part of the like rear body section but
2: i mean if you think about it that's going back to 2002 2002 2013 was the sixth generation mm-hmm. and the eighth generation because they kind of skipped the twelve hundred. 'Cause that was a weird monstrosity. with the eighth generation is just a fourteen and I haven't I did find some pictures of it, it looked okay. Um, but you know, if you're thinking like the V Tech, like it's a twenty what, eighteen no, sixteen year old bike now, oh two. So I mean that's almost sixteen. So it's a you know, it was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. No, they can get away with, I mean, there was, you know, we were just coming out of the eighties there. The styling was, or I mean the end of the nineties. So the styling was pretty bad, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> I think warrant was still playing and probably uh <laughs> deaf leopard was finally given up. So, uh, but they
2: were famous. I mean, that swing arm fits, I've seen them on RC 51s. I've seen them on CBRs. Like it's a cool swing arm that people put on other bikes too. So.
0: Yeah, they're definitely cool bikes. And, uh, uh, yeah i think it's gonna stomp i think that is really a good motive that you pick there chris i <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now <laughs> i think you done good this week uh, oh well i'm i'm pretty confident with my last week one so if
2: i get this one and we're three out of five i'm gonna be pretty happy yeah i feel like my last week one is gonna be a tough one to beat
0: yeah uh, if you win three weeks in a row and you just you just outright win, I say we just say our last two anyway, just so we can talk about them.
2: Yeah, no, but, I think uh, it's good material and it's like it's fun on the podcast. Hopefully, the fans are enjoying it. It's kind of spreading out a subject over a few weeks, mm-hmm. so like hopefully, oh, like I, their... I hope
0: I hope they're enjoying it because yeah. I'm not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're waiting they're waiting like friday morning for it to come out so they can find out what our next weird motor pick is so.
0: i know i think and i think liza just wants me to lose i don't even think she read the email well she read it enough to see what your choice was and then like just and then i was like that's good enough yeah picked that so um my pick this week is the uh, 1987 norton classic Okay. And uh Nortons are super cool. The Nortons are super cool, known for their cafe racer styling. Of course, we're not talking about styling on these bikes, but uh they are pretty cool and they they sound awesome. I think most of their motors were like 700 and 1000. But uh not this one. The one I picked is super not cool and is super not cafe racer. It's the uh the Norton Classic. Um 1987. Heck, I think we had the Ninja already, and we had the katana, uh, the katana already, so we had some pretty cool sport bikes, and they go out and make a rotary engine. Um, so, the Norton Classic was a, a rotary, they only made a hundred of them, they used... A, oh, wow. Yeah, because it was like a special edition, and they used a, um, basically a, a two-rotor engine that they had seen get developed at, at in a BSA, and so here's the deal, you're reading about BSAs, you're reading about... These engines getting like developed by BSA, and I, I thought BSA went out of uh, business in the fifties. So when I saw this BSA motor that looks like a gigantic like nineteen fifties um, drawing out of Popular Mechanics, I got really interested. And then I looked at this bike and I realized it was nineteen eighty seven. And we're we're getting. Uh, I didn't even know Norton was around in nineteen eighty seven. <laughs> yeah, I think that they had. They're kind of like Indian, where they've been like resurrected Uh, a couple times like kept alive by certain you know kind of like buell uh, too so yeah yeah um so in 1987 they built this twin rotary motor and the one that they based it off had this huge like ram air filter in the front that had because uh rotaries kind of run hot so the the first one that they based it off had this huge like gigantic ram air thing going down the center of the rotors and Mm -hmm. um basically cuz you know the rotors can be hollow in the center i guess they don't need a uh well they have a drive shaft coming off the one end so they're sitting uh laterally so they don't um you know they're basically like running like a crankshaft would like either forward or backward right right so this thing ran it down oh. ran air between them so that they would stay cool and then it came up and was fed through some carburetors now when norton did this on their actual production bike not this BSA like Hercules, whatever, uh, prototype, they didn't use that same gigantic, um, crazy monocoque frame sort of thing that that thing had, but they did have this like Ram Aaron thing up top that did kind of sit. Um, I think it had like a pressed frame in the front and this thing acted like, a an air intake for the rotaries rotors to keep them cool. And then that's, yeah. Yeah.
2: So are you saying that on the Norton, it was kind of transverse, like uh most motorcycle motors are then, so they'd actually spun like forward towards
0: yeah 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 they 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 would have spun okay. forward and um and that that helped the, to keep them skinny.
2: You said Hercules, and I saw that one, and that looked like it was
0: yeah, sideways. see that the Hercules one, I think was the in line, and that's how he blew, okay, I think that's how he blew the air down the center of the um. The rotors, rotors, because they they really don't have to have okay. anything in there. They can just have a shaft, right? I mean, they can pretty much just have a, a gear okay. gear spinning yeah. off one of the ends. They don't need anything in between them, as far as I could think. Right. All the lubrication goes on on the okay. other side of the the um, rotor, like on the like the the triangle side. Now, this is hard describing a rotor because for those of you that don't know, a rotor motor. A rotary motor is like a three-stroke kind of. You have a triangular piston. There's no valves per se. It's like a two-stroke where there's like openings and those serve as the valves. So it's kind of like the best of two-stroke and four-stroke technology all wrapped in one. And there's no reciprocating parts. It's continually that the triangle moves around an oval or egg-shaped or sometimes they're figure-eight shaped um, combustion chamber. And the, all it does is it constantly spins. So they're really smooth, but they take time to heat up. They have cooling issues um, and stuff like that. And so people, they had they had longevity issues because people didn't treat them right. I also didn't mean figure eight shaped combustion chamber. I meant hourglass shaped combustion chamber. So if you treated them right, they would last a long time and they were really smooth. But yeah, they they ended up using that motor to actually go on um and make a race um it was only 500 i think an 88 cc 588 i think is what it was um and they ended up using that motor to win the uh, i think like a 89 like a um i want to say they won the senior tt or something like that it was yeah they huh. used, it was the uh, the rcw 588 they launched it in 89 um yeah, here's a note that I have. They took they won the Senior TT in 92 and the British Superbike Championship in 94 and then they kept setting lap records until um you know, basically it was only made they only made 100 of those things though. So those like RCW 588s were like the extra motors that, that didn't go into production bikes. And um okay, th- it's actually the guy that um worked on that motor is uh coming back and he's actually built one for um this year he they did some tests on it already this year and it's like 200 horsepower um but it's a 700 it's based on the same cases and stuff though as that original 588 from from uh, that they launched you know back in in uh started with and well, I know one
2: of the super cool things is like uh with Mazda. You can just like add another cylinder
0: on the end. Yeah, you of can them. stack rotary rotors as long as you have space. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you could take that two rotor and make it a three rotor, four rotor, five rotor, or whatever, and it could be like some huge gargantuan
0: beast. Yeah. I, I saw a uh I wanna say it was a four rotor Mazda um a long time ago at a car show, and they're so incredibly small. Like you should see this um the Norton the yeah Yeah. the reason they used it is because it was so compact it's like way skinnier than a regular Mm -hmm. uh, motorcycle engine because the crank you don't have like a real crank the crank is the rotor you know what i mean and you don't have to have a valve train or a head because it's all is the rotor and and they're all pretty balanced mm -hmm.
2: too just because of that same reason you're not like a an internal combustion, like a piston and connecting rod turning linear motion into rotating mm-hmm. motion is so inefficient and causes so much vibration. Mm-hmm. But it's a shame because you look at again like Mazda, like they're about the only ones that have really spent much like money and time with those motors. And they've been semi successful. But it's like I feel like that motor has like this potential, yeah, but it's like held back with some issues and i don't feel like anyone's ever like spent the time or effort to like straighten it out but i know some of the issues are also hard like uh they run kind of dirty like a two-stroke because like you said there's no valves so i know um you know a lot of those race motors like they're just not yeah and i know for for racing it was an issue because you couldn't what they call a 588 or whatever might not like it's debatable oh it's debatable (laughs) nice (laughs) it's like debatable on the actual cc's because i know this was a problem with with like mazda they'd call it a two liter but they would like measure one lobe so a lot of people are like well no then it's like a six liter or something because or there's like two fire at a time i I don't know it's weird i I don't know enough about the rotaries um but yeah i know like that was an issue was like it was debatable on the actual displacement of the engine On how you figured it, so that was like kind of a an issue with racing, because guys, you know, guys are like, okay, so it's a 500 cc class, and they're like, okay, well, we built this 500, and everyone else with a regular piston motors like. No, that's like a Yeah,
0: and, and, and <laughs> so. if you uh, not... I mean, this, this motor doesn't count toward my rotary motor, but it's the one based off it. If you count that new CR700P that they made, it's a 700 twin uh-huh. rotor. totally. Ba- it, they, they based it on these same cases and everything as this old 500 from the 80s. And it's making uh-huh. 200 horsepower at 11,000 RPM, and it's got 110 foot-pounds of torque at 9,500 RPM. We're wow. talking about like... You know H two R specs here, and that's a nine. That's a yeah. nine hundred eight, like almost a, almost a liter. It's like a nine eight nine or a nine nine nine, with a stinking you know supercharger making two hundred horsepower. And yeah. BMW's the S one thousand RR comes close. I think it's one eighty. They could probably jack it up with uh, technology. Uh, you know, a few more. Like yeah. uh, mapping hacks here and there to get clo- a little bit closer to 200, but that's another 989 cc or 999. Yeah, this is a 700. So you're exactly right. And a lot of the time, like when we were at the racetrack the other a uh, couple few weeks ago, remember that little red mm-hmm. Mazda rotary that was out front? He was running yeah. in. Just he was running em. in the two liter or at least one point six liter class, and I guarantee that was a 1300. And it's because yeah. this, that's the same same sort of thing. the 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 uh, the Mazdas were were limited. A lot of the race car ones, at least I know, because I used to um, race, and I uh, the class rules was the the rotaries were limited to thirteen hundred, um, and that's the Mazda thirteen hundred um, B that they I think they had in some of their cars, and maybe even some of their trucks was like a super popular motor. I
2: think they did put it yeah, in some trucks.
0: because it totally fit the the class scheme. Like, you weren't... It's like, here's a stock motor that fits this class need. You just soup it up, you know? So, yeah, thir- 1,300 yeah. racing two liters. So, you're totally right. And it's because they spin so smooth. It's almost like having a cr- crankshaft yeah. be able to spin without having to have the reciprocal motion of the pistons and the crank... Or the rods, like everything that you were saying, and all the valves moving. It's just one... It's just mm-hmm. like a crankshaft that spins off of itself, sort of. So... It's pretty.
2: What I know too, they're like in theory, they should be able to rev infinitely, but they don't. Like, they're, you know, would you say the red line was about 12,000? Yeah. Or that. Because you power? can't
0: really advance the timing on a static. That's the one thing they have going against them is the, the, it's limited to where the valve is in relation to, or where the hole, the opening, the valve, meaning like the port, you know, right, right. is in in relation to the thing. So you're working with a static environment where valves, like you're saying, even with the VTEC example, you can actuate it to some degree in a different range.
2: I think they also, too, you know, even with tight tolerances, the way the piston slides in a cylinder, you don't get this as bad. But I guess on a rotary, if you start getting that higher RPM, they kind of smack the cylinder walls and they'll, uh, yeah, they'll that could dent be. Or poke holes in the in the wall of the cylinder so i know that's like one of the issues um i got a guy at work that that used to work at a place that did a lot of rotary stuff and they had a big fancy rx7 and so we've had some fun conversations about them but yeah you know but they're super cool when you hear them fire up they sound like a two-stroke oh yeah and when you when you see like a pretty raced out rx7 sitting there and idling it's sounding like a two-stroke. It is like the wickedest thing ever. Yeah.
0: So, and it's it's basically like a it's like a two-stroke technology with four-stroke. Um, I don't know four-stroke, uh, principle, and it's like a three-stroke because it's triangular shaped. Uh, <laughs> yeah, p- piston or rotor, I guess.
2: Or it's almost like it's kind of weird because they fire like on every lobe on every rotation. I think. Yeah.
0: No. It, it's so a it's constant almost fire. Like a, yeah.
2: Yeah. So a four-stroke. You know, it basically fires every other rotation. Oh,
0: right, right. I see what
2: you're saying. Where a rotary is going to fire three times on a rotation. And maybe that right. was part of like the CC debate, too. And that's why they're allowed a 13 in a two liter class. Was there like, okay, yeah, it's only a 1300 CC, but it fires six times for every once that this one fires.
0: Yeah, yeah. Every single rotation is a, is a, fire and yeah. i guess poking a hole in the side would be just like throwing a rod since there's no rod i mean yeah the rotary hit yeah. on the side because they do have that's the one thing is that they spin on those tips are the only things touching the uh inside yeah. of the um and they the kind of slide housing.
2: along the mm-hmm. or along the cylinder wall
0: so those things um longevity wise the tips are steel from what i know and so it makes a race bike's fine because a race bike you're taking apart every few races yeah. but um as far as making it for like lubrication for like long-term use on the street and then once those tips wear down you're gonna get blow by and like mm-hmm. uh like like you would need a ring basically it's because you don't have piston rings either those are right. your seals so you're gonna get the same thing as if you needed a ring job yeah. so yeah that sort of stuff comes into play
2: yeah, I think the only thing actually, I don't know if anything comes with them right now, but the last thing I knew of was like the RX8.
0: Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, interesting! I
2: didn't know like '87. That seems like so new.
0: Yeah, compare. Yeah, because see, most of the, most of these weird, wacky engines, you think of like, oh, they tried everything back in the '50s and '60s until they figured out what's worked, and then in the '70s forward, it's all V twins or parallel twins or whatever, well, right?
2: I'm, I would have to <laughs> check the year, but. Suzuki had the RE5 that almost put them out of business. So it's interesting a company like Norton that you said, you know, at this point, they were kind of like Indian, like someone had resurrected them. And it's like, okay, you're going to buy this name that has this like history. You're probably on a shoestring budget, even if some billionaire bought them and, you know, is doing it. But and then you're going to put a rotary in it. Like it almost killed Suzuki. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And you think that Norton's going to come back with a rotary and be successful. Yeah. It's like, what? Like I get, you know, I get when people get obsessed and they're like, I love this rotary. I want to put it in a bike. It could be so fast, but it's like, you also need to sell motorcycles. So it's a weird, it's a weird thought process for sure. For me, just like knowing a little bit about the history of the RE5 and how it almost shut down Suzuki
0: yeah you get these bad ideas you're trying to be cool and thought and insightful but then it just turns out to be like whether it's marketing or reliability it just like yeah that's a terrible time at 87 we were headed into i know the united states we were headed into a recession a little bit and so i I know probably worldwide probably was headed that way too (laughs) so yeah bad time for making a rotary (laughs) rotary motor um Ah, interesting. Yeah, you know, and Norton cool. actually speaking of the brand, I mean they got resurrected again, but they're only making race bikes now. As far as I know, they have like a VR 1000 sort of thing. That's I think they have a V4 uh, that's either a thousand or 1200, mm-hmm. and then now this guy is doing this rotary. Um, use he's using the rotary on his race bike. So uh, yeah, interest interesting, interesting stuff. So yeah, that's my. Uh that's our um, mo- crazy motor battle for the week. I I, I don't know, man. I'm yeah. starting to think that maybe the maybe these last the last two rounds, uh, I'm assuming you're already going to walk away with the first three, but maybe the last two rounds we let the fans <laughs> decide. Like we'll shoot it to the listeners. I bet you I bet you we we'll get a pr- <laughs> more prompt response too.
2: Would well, be it's interesting cuz like to me like your picks are definitely weird. So it's interesting on like the judges on what they're, they're like judging based on. Um, because like, I don't know. I felt like with the CB, like I, I presented it as a weird motor and I feel like in that year, it was a weird motor, but the square four, it's like, it was always yeah, weird. I know it would still be yeah. weird, but maybe that's like part of the thing where they were like, it was weird and it worked like it was innovative, but it, it spurred so much progression type deal I don't know yeah so, I think they
0: just thought of mine and thought dude what the hell <laughs> so we'll see well I know uh I looked at
2: rotaries um there was that company Hercules again the Suzuki re5 and then I didn't even see that Norton did one so yeah and I feel like that's an interesting thing because again like personally I feel like there's I know that there's certain things holding it back but when you see like the rx7 and rx8 like there's obviously potential but again if maintenance is one of those big things holding it back like it's hard in a production vehicle to have that problem and i believe epa and um clean cleanliness and efficiency is one of the issues all that
0: stuff was taken hold right at that time so i mean yeah it's totally totally what wiped all that crap out all the all the crazy stuff yeah bye bye You know what didn't go bye-bye it is dailybikers.com. They've got everything for your moto needs from stickers, notepads, magnets, coloring books, all sorts of stuff. If you've got a moto head in your life, go check out dailybikers.com or DailyBikerStore.com on the internet. All right, so we are uh, we're back, and I want to briefly uh, recap the Bolsa Chica last weekend was the final round of the Rolling yeah. Sands <laughs> classic <laughs> flat track classic. Um, I think Andy Debrino walked away with it. The he did by yeah. one point. My god, my god, so it was so crazy because we saw at the AFT finals, um. Joe Kopp, who had a pretty commanding lead, actually, his motor uh, gave out right on the starting line. And basically, that was it.
2: Yeah, I think uh, he made it. He started to exit turn two. And it just like I, he actually got a bad start. I was next to him uh, coming out of two and I had about a half a bike on him. And uh, all of a sudden, it just like he pulled off the infield. So it um, it definitely... It definitely uh, hurt him with some points for sure. Um, Helped out Spencer and helped out Debrino. So, um, yeah, the the final round was cool. It was interesting. Um, It actually, the track ended up taking rubber and the track ended up being pretty good. Um, I think the overall event was super cool. They had concerts that I never had time to go see. Uh, they had Jason Brenton stunt show. They had some cool little like uh, cones and stuff set up and they had a little like mini moto parking lot race thing with some kids and some like people on little groms and stuff. That's pretty um, rad. Yeah. They had the tank shifters out. They had some Helen wheels, like vintage dirt bike classes out. They had a chopper class and then they had the final round of the super hooligans.
0: Yeah. And I saw they had like, I don't know if they had skate, but they had like a surf competition or something going on and like music yeah, and all that. Yeah, a surf
2: competition in the morning sometime and a uh, bunch of vendors, a bunch of food, and uh, some concerts. I don't know what all bands, but um, I remember reading the list of bands and being like, "Oh, okay, I don't need to rush over to see the concert.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> there was like some reggae, which was kind of cool, and then some like old washed up 90s rock bands, I think
0: yeah so like lit and um sugar yes. ray or something like that it was lit in someone but yeah yeah
2: so i just was like okay whatever and ended up like we loaded in i got there at like 7 a.m it was still dark L- unloaded my truck like kind of got the pit set up um it was a super tight pit and then i think we got practice around like 10 And then we had qualifying around, like, noon, and then the heats at, like, three or two. I don't know. There was a time when we had, like, a two- or three-hour break. But anyway, it was, like, kind of spread out, and it was just hot. And so I had no desire to go over to the concert. Yeah. (laughs) It was just... We were just occupied with riding, but... Yeah, it it looked like it was
0: like as as an event i guess like as a lifestyle event it looked like it was pretty cool um with a lot of stuff to yeah. do and the the location was super cool like it
2: was bolsa chica state beach right in huntington beach long beach area seal beach i don't know i guess that's technically huntington yeah. right there um i mean it was super tight super compact it was right in between the sand and pch Cool um so like location wise it definitely brought motorcycle racing to a new audience like so that was super rad one of the biggest complaints that i or i read online and it made total sense was uh they were like they needed bleachers by the front stretch of the racetrack and i was like oh yeah good idea because everyone's just standing there so it's like five or six or ten people deep trying to like watch this race so if you were short like you had a horrible yeah
0: I I know Cafe Pardon me. I know Cafe Racer was there and his wife is pretty short. She was with him and so I uh, I wonder what they're going to say on their next show if they were, could see anything. <laughs> but and then um but I know that oh, they had it televised too or, or live streaming at 3 I think they started live streaming yeah. it on something. I'm not sure what site it was on
2: live streaming uh i saw the link i found it on someone's facebook i think roland's facebook so it was like facebook live and on i did because of my drama with the super hooligans i didn't worry about broadcasting i don't mind (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um yeah so but it was like broadcast i know a lot of people watched it which was good um we'll get into it in a minute but i threw a little fit and i might possibly be banned from next year and uh I had like text messages when I got back to my pit of a guy that's usually not on my side. He's usually like, it's not that big a deal. Like, I don't know, like calm down. And, uh, there was like six messages from him that was like, you got fucked. That totally deserved everything you did. That was bullshit. And I was like, Oh wow. So, um, yeah, so that we'll get to that to a minute. So part of, uh, Part of what I personally don't like where there were six heats with about five or six guys per heat. And then to make it to the main, you had to get first or second in your heat. Like, and of course, with Debrino and Cop, Spencer being an old pro, Jordan Graham being an old pro Woods racer, even though he doesn't want to tell anyone that, we're pretty sure. And then with garcia who won it and uh charlie murphy johnny murphy when it was also an old pro gnc flat tracker it's johnny murphy but when i heard his name i was it didn't ring a bell because honestly like i wasn't super engulfed with flat track until i got like started racing it um i was like johnny murphy and all that came to my head was chappelle and i was charlie like charlie murphy? Murphy. <laughs> but um and then whoever knows I, who knows how many other pros and So I qualified like tenth. Uh, My buddy Fast J got ninth. So I was in a heat with Debrino, and I was basically I was sleeping on the start. I was watching the starter, and he kept when the the guy would get off the track after laying us up. The guy running the light would point back to the light, and then he would let it. It was just a red light, and when it went off, you went. So he would point to the light, and then it would go out. So I'm like looking at him. And I'm like, I'm going to look up at the light. And when I looked up at the light, it was already out and everyone took um. off. And I was like, well shit. So, uh, I did, I pulled a move on Aaron Godardo that I'm not a fan of, but now that I did it, um, I, i I'm super glad that I have it in my arsenal, but I pulled the Sammy Howard, Halbert on him. And honestly what happened, like the track was super hard to pass. And, uh, I was actually next to him going into turn one and he kind of came down and I knew he was going to, there was nothing, you know, I'm like, whatever. So we, I definitely like lined up wheel to wheel and shoulder and, and bumped him out of the way. But you know, I, I go back to before Salem, I never would have thought about doing that to anyone. And Roland wanted to hire slamman Sammy Halbert. That's what he did to me. So like, yes, I pulled that move, but I, Maybe I'm banned. Maybe I'm yeah. not. But whatever. I still blame Roland for that. Like you paid a guy that that brought that into our racing, and now that it will forever be there. Like that that kind of racing is there. Yeah. Now. You, you like there's no way you around can't
0: it. unmake a gun now that you've. Uh, I mean, you can't go back to fighting yeah. with swords now that you've created a gun. Hey, and we'll, we call uh-huh. you cramming Chris Wiggins or Whamen Wiggins. <laughs> like <laughs> there's some good. There's...
2: Uh, hopefully, I can get a nickname better than that. But, <laughs> like Hooligan
0: um... Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, Hooligan Jesus has been a good one. And so, anyway, you had to get top two to make the A main. I had a bad start. I got into third, but I never quite got up to second. I caught the guy um right before the white flag. And then he heard me coming and he got super defensive on the last lap and like blocking, just like making himself real wide. You know, anything that any writer would have done. Like, you know, and he even told me afterwards, he goes, dude, I heard you. He goes, I knew I had a gap. And he goes, all of a sudden, I heard you ride on me. He goes, I just started protecting my, my line. And I'm like, as you should. That's what any good rider would do. I, I'm not upset about that. But So I got put in the B main. I, I didn't quite nail every hole shot. But if I didn't get the hole shot, then either they ran wide and I passed them out of two. Or they ran wide in three and four and I passed them coming out of four. Like every single time that we completed a lap, I was in the lead. And they red flagged it. I think the most we ever got at a time was two laps. Dude, there I was, saw um, a
0: bunch of crash pics like on Instagram um, from that. You know, and it was, this leads back to it
2: too. Like they can be as mad at me as they want. Here's a, here's part of the problem for listeners. Like you might think I'm a huge asshole. Like I called out Roland Sands. No one does that. I get that. Um, and I also get like the point of view, like you should be grateful that he put on a race at Bolsa Chica. You're kind of right um but in the incident in Salem with the pros if i wouldn't have basically lost my shit in front of everyone then no one would ever know that i was right like so now when when i say something now people listen cuz they're like wait a minute this guy might be an asshole but he was right last time we should at least hear him out where if i was super polite and quote professional about it then Roland and Cameron, which they did this, by the way, could basically ignore everything that myself, Butcher, not necessarily Sean and Aaron, but that's a whole other political story. But myself, Butcher, Speed Merchant, Josh from Broken Home, like every original hooligan that's really built this said, and they totally ignored, like no one knows that they ignored everyone. They only know that I'm an asshole and I said that pros shouldn't be there. So now that they're agreeing that, Oh, we got to change the whole policy with the pros. I'm sitting back here going, told you so. And they're acting like no one ever told them that that was a bad idea. Yeah. So like I might've been an asshole at the time, but now it's like people at least go, okay, he's a dick, but maybe he's right. (laughs) Yeah. Where if I was just polite and professional about it, no one would know that I was right the first time. And they wouldn't listen to me now. Not that, they're really listening to me now anyway, but whatever. That's also my personality, good or bad. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was just wreck after wreck after wreck and they were running short on time. So they were like, okay, four laps left. And I get the whole shot. And then there was a wreck and they're like, okay, two laps left. And we're sitting across the And So it was also unorganized back to that point. So there were, I think I counted today. There were supposed to be 12 guys on the track and there were 15 or 16. And this track was tiny like it made costa mesa look big yeah i
0: saw it it was pretty small and there
2: were like nine or ten dudes in the front row guys that like I, uh, what they did we are all lined up for the b main like in the little shoot and they, they come over and they're like okay where's this guy okay you're on the front row where's this guy you're on the front row where's this guy okay where's this guy where's this guy? Okay. You guys are in the B main. Everyone else, like, you're not in the B main. What are you doing up here? And every single person that was in that shoot rolled out onto the track anyway. And even though he told people where to line up, people lined up wherever they wanted. Anyway, the guy that got fourth in my heat pulled up next to me and he looked at me and shrugged his shoulders. And I'm like, I can't be mad at you. I guess I can because you know what you're doing, line up where you're supposed to. But once one guy doesn't do it, everyone else is gonna not do yeah. it. they're like fuck it they're gonna let that guy and and the thing is like it wasn't a fun like people always give that excuse like well hooligan stuff is fun you're supposed to just go have a good time at costa mesa speedway on harley night it's 100 fun you know what it costs a race it's free because we bring people in the stands you know what's up for grabs a high five and a shitty trophy because it's fun and we bring people in the stands this cost me fifty bucks, which I know is not that bad, but still cost money. There was, and I know that I wasn't in contingency, but there was a fifty thousand dollar motorcycle on the line. There was a thousand dollar dash for cash, I believe five or a thousand to win the main, three fifty or something for second, and something else for third. There was big money on the line. So guess what? It's not just fun anymore. You can't run a shit show. You need to have your shit together and have the race organized. And it wasn't. And he paid guys to do it. But that was kind of, that was a lot of the issue. You know, I get a lot of that, like, Oh, it should be this. It should be that. And I'm like, there was a $50,000 motorcycle on the line. It should be ran a hundred percent professional. Like, yes, mistakes are made, but there were some that were bad. Not having a B main lineup was a bad mistake. So there's restart, restart, restart. And then on the last restart, they told us two laps left and uh, we're sitting there and the two guys inside of me and one guy on the outside of me just take off. And they were like entering turn one before the light went out. And I'm just sitting there and I look (laughs) over at everyone in the infield and I put like, I'm like, what? And I remember I took off and I did a, I went through one and two and then I'm like, no, that was bad.
0: I'm like, they're they Jared missed it, dude. They totally Jared missed it.
2: And I saw a red flag come up too, by the way, just to throw more like confusion in. So I see a red flag come up. So I cruise around and guys are still racing. I cruise around and I pull in next to the start line next to where Roland was and the flagger. And I'm like, you guys aren't going to call that. And I'm, as I'm standing there, Roland looks at his rider and he goes, okay, that guy wins. He wasn't in first place because he didn't... I think he did jump, but not as bad as everyone else. But it's hard to tell because I didn't move at all. Like, when the light went out, I still didn't move for a second because I'm like, okay, they're going to call that. So he, then he points at his rider. So first mistake was there was no lineup. Second mistake is if you have stock in who wins and you want your rider in the... Man, and maybe I'm reading too deep into this, but nevertheless, Roland Sands had zero business being in the infield pointing at anyone to win or anyone to lose like that was super unprofessional like how are you going to let something slide really bad and then just point at your rider like i led every single lap that was a legitimate lap and nailed every start that was a legitimate start and then you're going to point at an indian to win the event so of course like with my had passed with the super hooligans, I was a little upset. So I go do, like, I shoved my bike into the wall and did a huge burnout. And of course, the fans fucking loved it because I knew that part of the problem, they were crunched for time. But it doesn't matter. Like, you fucked up. That's why you're crunched for time. So I did a huge burnout. The fans loved it. Roland didn't. I saw him after the race, told him that I felt it was unprofessional. And he said, you know what? You're done with all my events. So... If I am, will cause more drama later. Um, but I don't see it happening. Like, here's the thing: if you kick me out of your event, like, how legitimate is it? And I'll call that out. Like, oh, congratulations! You didn't even like. I wasn't even there to race. Like, you're not allowing me to race. And the thing is, like, again, run a professional event. There was a fifty thousand dollar bike on the line. So, from what I understand too, the main was kind of bad. They literally told the people running the event they had like some AMA group to like not call some stuff. They're like, just you know, just kind of let stuff go. Um, so it was like it was kind of bad in those regards too, but I uh like I said I got I got hosed pretty bad. And I don't think that like going into it, Roland like looks at me and he's like, fuck that guy. Although he might be from here on out, I don't
0: know. Well, hey listen, if you want to go ahead and uh skip the drama, maybe take your bike out to a track day and uh, have some fun with a friend we're gonna hear from jr Seo and chris this is part two of their interview from willow springs
1: all right so we
3: have left the track we're driving back to los angeles of so the bikes out of fuel even though we brought extra it was super fun. Um, Juan got bumped up to group two. He was actually faster than me on my Dyna and could almost hang with me on my Ducati. Like I wasn't that much faster on my Ducati than I am my Dyna But um, yeah Juan was hanging pretty good so it was super fun.
1: So Juan what'd you think? Was it a good time? Uh, there, there's another better word for good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was freaking badass. Okay. Are I, so I you going it. back? Have you already looked at dates to go back? Um, I was asking some of the guys there. Uh, when's the next track day? Uh, I'm definitely going back. I'm hooked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It was badass. It was super fun. The uh, the street fighter did
3: pretty good. And he would pull me on the straightaways. Less 2 our air cooled motor. It's not <laughs> quite. It's not quite as stout.
1: Well, I was. I, I didn't want to be that. Uh, that guy not to be, <laughs> I, pulling people on the straights and getting smoked on the turn, So that was that was my goal. If, if, if I got around somebody on the straight, I gotta keep maintain the distance in the turn. Yeah. Um, you, know, you were doing good in the corners. Like
3: we ran. Uh, we had a super fun session where like, let each other go a few times and then, like, chase each other a little bit. It was fun. We were running pretty close. But it was good. Like, when you were out front, I was able to just, like... I was backed off enough to where I could run close and not, like, be too sketchy. But it was good. Um, I don't know what else to ask. <laughs> so, see, the bike did good. So, one like, one feel bad because he didn't scrape up the knees of his leathers but
1: he was definitely leaned over far enough that he really kind of could have yeah i I felt like the i might have been a little restricted by the leathers um they're a little bit small and uh it might have played a role in uh, my ability to hang off the bike but uh it felt like i was leaning the bike over and i got some good pictures so maybe we'll see if i was or not (laughs)
3: You were getting it leaned over pretty good and you still got your weight off. You're still able to like move around on the bike and get in and out of corners pretty good. So it was fun. It was like super fun to watch. Because I didn't know what to expect either. Like, and I'm weird, like I've taken people to not necessarily like this kind of course before, but like canyons and flat track and stuff like that, and I always feel bad, like I always feel responsible. Like if you would have crashed today, I would have been super bummed. I'm like, man my fault, I brought him to the track, even though it's not, so it's cool, like you were you're pretty patient, but you looked like you got comfortable, and like you are carrying some good speed uh, and in that group even the group two, man, you were right up there and
1: like running pretty good, so it was pretty fun yeah, um, so starting with group three, which is a slow group, uh, definitely helped that they did two siding laps with, uh, the instructor or whatever yeah. the guy's name was up ahead so i got i felt comfortable warming up the tires testing everything out the bike felt good we were going really slow like it was really slow pace but yeah. it was good because we got to learn the track and uh after the two laps they let us go and i little by little started picking up the pace uh getting more comfortable with the bike and gaining confidence uh, tires were really sticky bike was pulling really hard. Uh, I, I tried not to make a lot of passes at first, uh, just because we were all in the slow group, and I didn't want to freak anybody out or get freaked out. So uh, I took it really easy for about half of the first the, the time or whatever, and then uh, after that I started picking it up. I started passing people, uh, started giving going full throttle on the straights and. Uh, like was reeling people in really easily, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was cool. I I, I, uh, I was passing a lot of people towards the end, yeah. and uh, I did I did uh, three sessions in the slow group. You guys the oh, there, there's cool. one of the CBRs that was riding with us. I think it was a CBR 300. Yeah, but the guy was hanging pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. cool I way. wanted to ride one of those
3: little two-strokes that was out there.
1: Those I just want to ride one of those so bad. Yeah, those bikes look like they, uh, they turned really good. Yeah, they look fun. It was good. No one crashed. Yep. The bikes are still in one piece. Yeah. All three of them. Right. Just with the little more worn tires.
3: Yeah, just some little balled-up tires. No big deal. Yeah. It's fun. I think, like, again, for, like, people listening, like, it's something, if you're interested in, like, or if you have a sport bike at all and you enjoy canyons something to definitely give a try like even if you don't like it you're out 200 bucks you know but I don't know very many people that don't like it and it'll make you a better street rider like it will it'll make you calm down on the street because you get like the adrenaline going on the track and you kind of get that frustration out and then you get on the street and you're like ah, whatever I was doing 120 on Saturday <laughs> so like it's definitely like I feel like that's part of it learning your limitations and your bike's limitations is good for anyone on the street. Like, you know, you get in a weird situation and you, if you're confident with as much front brake as you can use, like, that's a good thing to be able to squeeze a bunch of front brake and know what the bike's going to do and have a good feel for it. So, you know, I say give it a try. And no matter what you have, like, first of all, there's classes and track days for everything. Today was actually, like... A lot of old vintage bikes, some like CB350s, uh, some little two-stroke like old RS, they look like 125s I think, um, some other, there was like an Aramaki Harley Sprint, so like just some super cool little like vintage bikes, um, and then some of the newer bikes too, you know, they weren't, it wasn't like excluding new bikes, but it was just focused on the vintage bikes because they don't want to go out like a full track day and a bunch of like brand new sport bikes and where they can't keep up anywhere so you know look into it if you guys have any questions on your area or something like hit up our website or our Facebook and make Larry answer your questions (laughs) or if he has a question I guess he'll direct it to me but give it a try man there's nothing you know give it a try you know learn learn your bike be safe and, uh, and then take your buddy and watch him smile all day till his cheek's hurt.
0: <laughs> hey, that's some pretty good advice uh, there, Wiggins. Yeah, if you have any questions, hit us up. Uh, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, check us out um, on Facebook or Instagram. Hit us, DM us, whatever. Whatever you do on those stupid social media things. But yeah, ask questions. Jumping into the uh, the next segment, I wanted to ask you, I, I recently, well, there's two things I heard. The first one was that uh, if you have a Goldwing, they're the only bike with the airbag. So, this really only affects Goldwing owners. But I heard that um, Honda was actually hiring private investigators because they've sent out all these letters since the whole to, to Takata airbag thing. You know, they've been killing people, right? Right. And there was like 3,500 motorcycles or something like that affected by that. And uh, not everybody's coming forward and probably not everybody lives at the same address where they first register their vehicles or whatnot, but they've been hunting people down, sending them all these letters and supposedly the last set of letters that they send you, they'll send you like three letters and the third one has pictures of like the scenes Uh. of where the things have gone off. Like this could happen to you and there's a picture of one of the exploded airbags and the person Uh. like, dude, they're going hardcore and they're hiring pi is for pete's sake like to to track people down to get them to come yeah uh b- basically come back i heard it on um caradvice.com which is a uh, australian um australian site but they're saying this is like worldwide i cool. like getting serious about this shit um well
2: i mean it's cool that i mean because at that point they're no longer liable but it's cool that they're they care that much you know
0: oh yeah that's Honda. I mean, Honda doesn't, Honda does everything white glove, including like taking this stuff seriously. They're, I mean, they were one of the first people to go after, like, recall their stuff for the Takata and try to like yeah. look into it. Um, what I and, but,
2: know, like, Toyota, I know, and some of their vehicles, like, they didn't have a fix and they literally told my wife to not put anyone in the front seat. Yeah. I'm like, can you guys unhook it? It was like the passenger one, it wasn't the driver one. I'm like, can you unhook it? and they're like no we can't unhook it and i'm like so you're literally saying like you can't use your car to haul a person i'm like really like that's that's your fix you can't unhook it but you can't fix it so just don't and i'm like no i paid for a car with four seats like i should go to haul four people
0: yeah for sure it's ridiculous uh not it sounds
2: like sounds like honda's like kind of uh stepping their game up and really trying yeah, to not it. only
0: are they trying to get people out of those cars and off those bikes, but they're like hiring PIs and sending letters like, dude, this will be you if you don't come in for this critical fit. Uh-huh. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the second, uh, another thing I heard on that uh, same show, I wanted to talk to you about cause it was something interesting. Um, here in North America, Porsche along with clutch technologies, which is kind of like a high end, like car performance, uh, like aftermarket company, they are starting this thing called the Porsche Passport, which is a a subscription service. And it's going to roll out in Atlanta and go from the East, I think spread this way. Um, But there's two tiers. And for $2,000 a month for tier one and $3,000 a month for tier two, you can drive like, it's almost like having Netflix for Porsche. You can get any model on demand, um, in the tier one, you know, for for it's basically twenty four thousand dollars a year, right? So you can get any any oh. model for as long as you want. It's kind of like like I said, have it, renting a DVD from Netflix or something, where you can keep driving that car, or you can swap it out every three weeks or something like that. I forget what exactly the the time cycle was, but you can uh, swap them out, and they have some pretty good models. Now the tier two, which is three thousand a month, that is like some of the crazy, crazy like sport models and stuff like that. And some of their like crazy turbo, like GT and like the Cayenne, whatever, like top of the line stuff. And some of those cars that are like, kind of like the HP four from BMW, where it's like a race only Porsche. Um, they're, uh, you know, $36,000 a year sounds like a lot, but some of the models that they are talking about that are in the tier two, uh, ours yeah. go up to like a hundred and twenty thousand dollars or something like that. So you're actually well, like and... getting it for like a three year lease. You know what I mean? Would would be cheaper than than uh, it's kind of like what you're getting and, and probably
2: maintenance costs. Oh
0: yeah, everything probably winning out. I mean, yeah,
2: you know if and it's one of those like I, that's a genius idea. Yeah, you know, and it's it's Porsche, so you're hitting a price point of people that can afford it, but. I mean, dude, that's that's such a cool idea. Because also, like, okay, I'm getting bored of my GT3.
0: I'm going to have to go in and see what else they have. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And supposedly, it's like white glove door-to-door service. So, you don't even have to, like, go down. Yeah, you don't have to go down to the thing to pick it up. You get it. Plus, it's all the maintenance and that clutch technology services everything and, like, caters to your total needs. I was wondering what you would – what do you think – 'Cause thirty six thousand a year for a car, but then again, the car costs hundred and twenty thousand bucks. We're talking like if we translate this to motorcycles, do you think like Ducati or Aprilia or even Harley Davidson could pull it off or Modus? Like, because they Modus doesn't have like a whole bunch of different models, but Harley does. I mean, Harley's got some like if you could cycle out between like a CVO and like or like a fully decked out like Road King special or and then, like, tr- the only f- drop down to a Sportster yeah. for a few couple weeks and then jump back up to, like, a CVO trike or something? I don't know. Like,
2: I, just, I feel like for Harley it'd be hard because the guy that wants a bagger is going to get a bagger. And he's not going to want a Sportster. He might want to go out on a dyno once in a while, but if he can afford a $40,000 CVO... He can afford to tack on a $15,000 Dyna right. or he can get a little bit cheaper CVO and a Dyna. Um, I think Modus maybe, but that would be more – see, they really only have one model. So yeah. be more just like a lease
0: Yeah, see, them. I the Modus was a bad idea. See, I'm thinking like Ducati, something that has like a lot of high-end bikes and mid-range. Because yeah. Porsche for Porsche, I mean, some of those tier one cars are basically just like – you know they're kind of basic yeah. bitch cars but uh that plan's only 24,000 a year and if you look at your leasing for some of those cars it's actually adds up to that so they were saying that it's right. not a bad idea for motorcycles well you're not going
2: to go get a boxer yeah but you know you're going to you're going to f- you're probably going to cycle through the high end ones as much as you can yeah. but i'm sure if there's a lot of people and there's a limited number of cars i would assume that they would a, a lot enough cars so that everyone that is subscribed can have one at all times. Like you could basically not have a daily car. You could have whatever your Porsche is at that time and just pick up a new one every couple of weeks as one became available or whatever. And I'm sure there'd be extra. I think Ducati I think could maybe pull it off because you could you've got the the monsters and the multistratas and then like the Pengales, whatever they're up to now. And guys could kind of cycle through. Um, yeah. The only thing I think with bikes is if you lay down, which it might be good for the second or third down the line consumer, such as myself. But if you lay down a fully covered plastic bike, they're usually totaled. So I think that would be hard for Ducati. Like you can't just let any Joe Schmo, the motorcycle license do it because if he wrecks your Multistrada, gets a 1098 and wrecks it and then wrecks the Monster and then wrecks the next Multistrada and ne- wrecks a Scrambler, it's like, okay. <laughs> like You're totaling these bikes by just skidding them down a driveway type stuff. <laughs> right. Um, that that might be kind of an issue with bikes, but I would see if anyone could do it, it could probably be Ducati because they're kind of, even though they're not as extremely expensive compared to jet bikes as they used to be, they're kind of a boutique brand mm-hmm. in a way.
0: So, yeah, I mean, even they, even B, BMW might be able to pull this off because they have that GTL exclusive, which is pretty pricey. And yeah, then you yeah. think about the R nine T's, which aren't that cheap. I mean, they're supposedly competing with other. I heard
2: they're fifteen, aren't they?
0: I think they're. The, I thought they were more. But yeah, we were talking about them
2: at work the other day. Yeah,
0: I think that they are like seventeen. Um, I mean, I guess I should know this. I I do look at that <laughs> stuff all the time, but I haven't looked at them lately. I feel like. The
2: consumer of a Ducati, whether he's buying a new Pengali or a new Multistrada that are super high end, I feel like those guys would be like, yeah, I'll take a scrambler out for the weekend. Or, you know, where I feel like the Harley bagger guy is not going to get a sportster. He's not going to want a sportster at all. So, you know, maybe there's a tier with like the dinosaur tail and the sporty that I could fit in. I might be super pumped and then i could spend a couple hundred bucks an extra month and take a bagger out once in a while but i feel like that one is a is a tough one just because i feel like those guys are in a way set but i feel like the ducati like the scrambler to me is like their more affordable bike like it's a cheaper bike but it's kind of got a fun factor and i feel like the the more diehard traditional Ducati guys would still go get on one for the weekend or whatever.
0: Yeah. And see, I'm thinking if we scale this number down for bikes. It would probably be more around the lines of like eight hundred or nine hundred a month, um, which comes out to, if it's eight hundred a month, that comes out to ninety six hundred a year. And if you're figuring that this this car one's you know thirty six thousand, you're you're basically getting three years of a car for the price of one, which is like what would happen if you leased it plus all the insurance and the mm-hmm. maintenance. So the bikes sort of the same thing, like you know eight hundred dollars a month for you to be able to pick a CVO or take out the new Roadster to see if you like it, and then. Yeah. ride a street around just to say you did it and bag yeah. on it. I mean, does that seem feasible? Eight hundred dollars a month, is that too is that do you think is that too much? Mm. I think a lot of Harley dudes could afford that. Even be like if you're a BMW or Ducatista, I think you're willing or and maybe probably capable of paying that sort of dough. I mean if you're into it for all that Yeah and I think a lot of Harley uh,
2: dealers like if you're a customer that comes in and buys a new bike every couple of years When you take your bike in for maintenance, a lot of dealers let you take a bike out for the few days that your bike's in there. So I think Harley almost has that in a way in their just customer service. Um, I feel like eight or nine would be expensive because I'm trying to think when I bought my Dyna, I want to say it was just under $300 a month and I paid like $15 for the bike. But it was like a four or five year lease too. Or not lease, but payment. And that was to own it. It wasn't a lease. So But I bet for five hundred bucks a month, it'd be pretty feasible for a lot of people.
0: But again, the the and 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 baggers, I'm guessing, are like probably five or six hundred a month. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, they probably are at least. Yeah, for especially the CVOs, probably more than
0: that. Yeah, for the CVOs. right? So it's probably not too far off. I mean, if you're going for that high end market, anyway saying hey you could drive this bagger this week and that or that cvo that week that cvo the next week and then you know try all four cvos for the month or like cycle out and then yeah yeah, i think i think this uh porsche passport I'm, i'm interested to see how well it does as it rolls out because i'm kind of wondering like is this feasible? Especially if they're partnering with Clutch Technologies, how would Eagle Rider, you know, maybe through Eagle Rider contract uh-huh. and get your distribution out? Because there's I'm sure there's people across the nation that would pay 800 a month to be able to pick yeah. any Harley for you know, a, a, a week and then swap it out for another one.
2: And the benefit you're going to have, I think, again, like motorcycles are going to be a luxury. If you're spending that a month, you're not going to want like one you're going to want to ride the bike a lot it's not like oh i'm going to take it out next weekend (laughs) um but i feel like with porsche it's super rad like you can be like well i i don't really have anything with the kids this week so why don't you guys drop off like a gt2 right and uh you know a little two-seater but next weekend we're going to go to vegas so on Thursday night I need you to swap it out for a cayenne Yeah. And we can or the what's the other one? The Panera bread or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, that's like a, it's a super cool concept and I definitely think Mercedes I think could easily pull it off. Porsche I think even a little bit better one. Um because those guys, you know, there's a lot of people that are in the Porsche market that 36 grand a year or whatever it was, isn't that bad? um and the only thing like i don't know what leases usually are because i usually like every vehicle i've ever done i've bought and i've never leased one but see le- leases are leases like, are at the end of five years i want to own it
0: yeah because leases are, are usually more and you don't usually end up i mean and you don't end up owning it that you're you're paying a little bit more because for the convenience cost of being able to trade it mm-hmm. in for later basically uh-huh. you 're kind of paying on the on on the front end their back end of what they 're going to have to do to resell it later right and so i mean th- yeah. that 's why I thought it, you know scaling this down to motorcycle numbers, I thought this would totally be doable kind of like you were saying you know we, we I got the wife with me this week i 'll take out the Ducati multistrada or something or the d of l yeah, and then Oh, next week, uh, the wife and the kids are going to be gone. So I'll take the Panigale out for a track day and like super insure it. You know, I'm sure because you can crash a Porsche GT3 into a wall just as easy as you can a Panigale, you know,
2: (laughs) there might be some restrictions on tracks.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing. Who knows what it is? But if you're in L.A.,
2: you can take your Porsche down to the little training center, whatever off the
0: 110
2: or 101, whatever it is. So, I mean, you could definitely do some of that, but it's an interesting concept. And I think, you know, with how our society's going with their Netflix TV plans and meal plans. I mean, yeah. I know you've talked about the Imperfect Produce before. And uh, even before, like when I was just on the show once, I my wife and I checked into it. And I don't think it's in our area yet. It might have been where you used to live, but um, we used to do Blue Apron also. And we had our reasons for quitting that one. A lot of that was just like, man, we, we really miss taco night. We want to do yeah. taco night. <laughs> so, so we kind of quit doing like the blue apron, but there's so many things that are
0: basically subscription based yeah. that why isn't your call? Yeah. And you know, they did. Or your motorcycle. When I lived in San Diego, I think there was a company that was uh, sort of like, you know those metro bikes that you can just go down and rent a bicycle for a few hours. There was a car service uh-huh. like that in San Diego, where if you hmm. needed a truck to move something but you don't have a truck, uh, or even a garage for that matter, like you could go rent a truck. There's, and
2: there, what's the car one where you have an app? Is it Gym Car? No, Gym Car is the little electric things. It's like an app on your phone, and there's cars parked all over the city and yeah it was big and like it's like san francisco and stuff where people don't own yeah,
0: cars that's the one i'm talking about and they're like oh, in san man. diego they, that's what they and, had too
2: yeah they're like oh i need to drive somewhere and they pull their app out on their phone and go oh there's a car three blocks yeah. from here and you go over to it and it opens up and the keys are in it or something like the app you know it's with all the wi-fi and all the like well shoot chevy was doing it with the onstar a long time ago so with that stuff it just opens up, and the keys—you know—you're supposed to put the keys wherever you're supposed to put them, and then they get in the car, and you—you—it keeps track of where you go or whatever, and then it just like your credit card pays for it.
0: Yeah, this so. was the same thing down in San Diego, except I think there was like little stations where you parked them, and it had like a box for that. You get your your number back or whatever your deposit back when you put the key mm-hmm. in the box and lock it or whatever the hell it was but it was sort of the same thing mm-hmm. They but they were they were instead of a yeah the app would tell you where the car was and then when you go there there was like a little physical station that you like put like a park one of those yeah. paid parking meet whoops one of those paid I someone parking that meters drove
2: down they lived in berkeley and didn't have a car and they drove all the way down to orange county before. yeah so they were like you know what it's just cheaper and easier so we got one and drove it down here so it's super interesting um, man that's that's such a yeah. cool idea it's cool that Porsche is trying that out hey so.
0: I would totally do it with motorcycles so I didn't have to own like a big bagger but if I wanted to take my wife somewhere like you know yeah. it, it'd it be fun it would yeah. totally be fun the next thing I have on my list is Instagram pics
2: yeah let's do it i got i I got one already
0: i didn't listen to your instagram pick i only listened to your motor so i don't even know who it is so i'll let you uh fire away
2: okay um so my pick this week is uh i'm gonna go back to the artist and uh she's doing a lot of hooligan stuff she does a lot of like i think a lot of watercolor i i compare the style a little bit to uh charlie brown in a way um in a good way like it's cool you know she's kind of got her style and everything like looks like it's moving um but it's caro 74 happy um so just c-a-r-o-7-4-h-a-p-b-y all one or you know no weird underscores or anything yeah and, I, uh,
0: i've seen her stuff that's really cool stuff yeah, yeah i just saw some today's coming down to the
2: ivy league flat track thing um I know she hit me up a little while ago. She found a picture of me that Ed Subius took, so she hit up Ed and I to see if it was okay that she used that as a basis. Um, I saw like a month or so ago, she was doing some stuff for Carver. I have a coffee mug that she did of me um, that I got. Um, So it's cool. Like It's a cool, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up. So if you're a young flat tracker and you want to get your dad something and he drinks coffee or whiskey in a coffee cup or whatever, So, it's definitely, like, it's cool, and it's cool that she found, like, um, you know, she ended the flat track and the hooligan stuff, and uh, it's just, it's pretty interesting to see. I think she just did some work with Vanilla Cycles, again, Carver. I've had some stuff. I think she just did something for Brandon Gonzalez from Noise Cycles also. So, um, yeah, like, super neat. Give her a a like and a follow, uh, and check that out, and maybe buy something.
0: Ah, dude. Uh yeah, I have uh also a girl and also whoops also a an artist I believe. Her name is uh Christine Vonden And uh I found her actually through I think it was one of Blind Thistle who is also an artist's uh post, but it's just uh Christine with a K Vaden V-O-D-O-N. I might have said Vonden, I meant Vaden. Uh, but yeah, so she's got like a pen and ink style where she does a lot of stuff in black ink, but she does a oh, lot cool. of portrait stuff, um, but I think she's a writer and a lot of her stuff that she does that's motorcycle related is like, looks like it's on brown, uh, brown paper bag sort of stuff, like this rad brown canvas, but she did, she did okay. like a super realistic um, Electroglide and then she did, like, a super realistic uh, R9T and a super realistic, like, Dinah, I think, was the first thing I ever saw. And so, uh, Dan from Daily Bikers noticed her post when I stuck it on there. And so, that's the first thing that caught my eye was all these bike things that she does. And then when I started looking at her stuff, she does, like, a lot of portraits and stuff like that. So, she's good, nice. in, a, good in a couple different media or a couple different genres there. Um, nice. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Keeping it creative, Creative right yeah. That's. I know. Un- undebatably uh, keeping it creative. <laughs> um, and then we have some stuff coming up. Uh, of course, this weekend, uh, we've been saying it for a couple weeks now, or actually like a month, is Tracker Cross. Yeah. The second Tracker Cross is going to be this weekend. Uh, it's going to be. Halloween tastic. Um, I can only imagine. We'll be. At... Are you going to be there?
2: I saw on the flyer bring a costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be in Arizona for a buddy's wedding, so um, I'm going to miss it, but it should be a good time. Uh, I went last time, butcher put on a good event. Um, it was just fun. It was a good time. There's definitely going to be some costumes. I heard today there might be some concerts, um, camping. Um, just a good overall hooligan shit show, dude. So. The
0: three C's: concerts, camping, and costumes. It doesn't get much better than that. And uh... no, that's and lots of that's well the best. Coors. No, I know there's gonna be lots of beer. I doubt any of it Coors. Probably Pabst and Eight Hundred Five. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think the Hell on Wheels dudes are gonna be having. He's gonna. They're gonna be doing TT races right at that little track next door. Um, so I think that there's gonna be. Kind of in conjunction with the flat track that Butcher's putting on, I think he's kind of letting them kind of co, you know. Since they do, like co-promoting and working yeah, together a little bit, that, since they do a lot of TT stuff, uh, they're going to throw together that section of it. Uh, then, like like you yeah. said, yeah, concerts for sure. Um, also, the Long Beach uh, swap meet's going to be happening on Sunday. Uh, if you're in mm. New Smyrna, I don't even know if anybody knows where New Smyrna is, but i have no idea i think i think it's georgia there's gonna be um at at new smyrna speedway there's gonna be vintage and hand-built races there so i think it's i think it's like the east coast version of like fun hooligan flat tracks vintage like hell on wheels style stuff yeah um so that's happening november uh third and fourth hey listen before we get to november uh the spooky spokes cutoff is next week. It's the 26th. And I've had a couple of people say we, I uh, got some stories coming in, but we haven't had them come in yet. So we need the. Uh, you might have a great story, but we need it to be able to, to be able to stick it in the show. Um,
2: and uh, before November and still Halloween related, the,
0: the hill climb,
2: Halloween hill climb that I'm yep. going to miss for like the fourth year in a row. Yeah. I have, to, it looks like so much fun. And everyone has such a good time, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to miss it, but that's okay. Go anyway. You don't need to put up with me to go race and have fun
0: yeah i don't want you to get kicked out of like any more events dude (laughs) hey listen
2: meeple likes me i think
0: yeah we'll both do it next year let's do the we'll do the halloween hill climb next year
2: i got dirt bike tires for my sportster
0: dude hey put put a pillion seat on your dyno we'll go up together i'll interview you on the way up (laughs) (laughs) oh man Put a sissy bar so I, so I don't fly off the back, and I'll i interview you. All the way. Oh. Yeah. Um, but oh, no, yeah, it's no, always ne- fun. Yeah, next year let's do it, man. Um, and wow. then the Twisted Throttles, of course, uh, November third and fourth. I've been hammering out details with the Misfits on that. Uh, also ch- talking to Brian Bell about that. I'm super excited because it's kind of it's funny because it's part of it's happening. I believe in Ramona is where i think like the art show and all the like bike night stuff is going to happen
2: but i've heard it's not very far from
0: it's brona. not it's not very far from brona it's just down 10th street which turns i think into wildcat canyon road uh, and that leads like you could tell where the 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 boundaries of the barona indian reservation is because all the houses just stop and it suddenly becomes wilderness and then the first thing you hit on wildcat is pretty much barona oaks motocross track and the uh drag strip and stuff which is right next door okay so that is gonna be fun that's gonna be a lot of fun um and we're gonna I don't know. I I can't wait for that, actually. I can't wait. The Misfits have asked me about the trail riding around there. I've never been trail riding around there. I just know that there is trail riding around there. So I hope, uh, you know, I I don't know where the hell I'm going to be going. So I hope they don't mind. I don't know where there is. Yeah. I I hope they don't mind (laughs) trailblazing.
2: I don't really have much of a trail bike anymore. I got, there's some good canyons out there too. Like, you're not too far from Palomar and Julian, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. Borrego Springs is cool.
0: Yeah. I know like, a few. I know some. A lot of good places, like even Pine Valley and stuff. But the thing is, it's not close to Ramona. I don't know how many more, like another hour, they want to drive to go dirt biking. And, yeah. And, that, and then drive to go camping. Maybe they will. I don't know. Because there's like <laughs> coral, uh, coral, no, Corral Canyon. There's Pine Valley. There's yeah, like you said, all the stuff on the eight going east, like all the Acatillo and all that crap. But then you're practically in damn Arizona. And I think just Liza and Naked Dan are coming. Yep, Naked Dan, a.k.a. Naked Jim, but he won't care. Naked Jim, that one. We'll call him Naked Dan, that's good. Sure. (laughs) Naked Dan and then add the G-L-E, Naked Dangle.
2: (laughs) There might be, you know, there might be a Naked Jim once we get there, you never know
0: yeah naked if you G- know what gem we'll take some pbr for him dude his last name is stark and i think that's why he's always naked because it's stark naked i i think <laughs> that like a, p- a play on words turned into like his personality i thought it uh, just came from doing the naked ride yeah, yeah maybe that's it too but naked jim dangler will be there and <laughs> uh and liza so far uh any of you other misfits are invited it's only uh about an hour and a half further from born free and i know jake and rebecca and mike and mary i know mike and mary have a kid now but you know bring them down
2: yeah and bring uh, man, i mean i haven't seen much out of brian bell like there's got to be some runway brown classes
0: oh the, i've I, heard we're
2: racing on the half mile so i don't know what all they're gonna do
0: yeah yeah i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of fun stuff
2: Oh, oh, oh. And there's there's drag racing. I think last year it turned into like mostly heads up drag racing. Yeah. But um, you know, bring some leathers and come down and race and have a good time.
0: Dude, I'm gonna race. I'm gonna drag race my 250. I'm gonna flat track it if there's a class for it. I'm gonna take it over to the motocross track. I'm gonna trail ride it. I'm gonna do. <laughs> all sorts of stuff you might just be burying it in barona dude i'm gonna leave it in barona with the i'm gonna smudge it with some sage and bury it because it's gonna <laughs> be done after that it's, the heads are probably gonna blow off yeah no i don't know i'll probably be skateboarding home is that what you're saying um
2: <laughs> no we can we can
0: put you in my truck again <laughs>
2: yeah i don't know uh, i think that's about it throughout the end of the year
0: um yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff coming up here and there uh, nationwide, which we'll tap into. I know we've been covering a lot of local stuff lately, just because there's so much local stuff happening. But we'll try to tap into some nationwide and even international stuff uh, coming up here in a couple months, since it's going to be summertime on the other side of the hemisphere. So uh, we'll yeah. check. We'll check in with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's our show, man. Uh, anything you want? To, any cool sign-offs you have?
2: Uh, no. Cool All right. Sign-offs.
0: Perfect. <laughs> that's, that's your sign-off. I'm not a very cool person,
2: so oh, all right, good.
0: All right. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out with us uh, for another hour and a half of your time. And we really appreciate right. it. If you have the time, check us out. He is SoCal underscore hooligans or Wig09 on Instagram. I am creative writing podcasts. You can also check us out Facebook at Creative Writing Podcast and the web at wwwcreative writingcom Email the show. Email your spooky spoke stuff. Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. And look yeah. for us. Look for us at IMS. Oh yeah. When is that coming up? Do we have a date on that yet? I think it's November 19th. Okay. I think. Sounds I, good. I have I have the stupid email, but I haven't uh, looked at it in a while they send it a while back and i haven't looked at it since then all right sounds like fun so hopefully we're there (laughs) hopefully i didn't hopefully i didn't get rejected (laughs) all right well that's our show you know thinking about get about 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 the poor oh whoa whoa are you are you still there I'm still here. Okay, Did we got some weird? weird audio. Yeah. Uh. Happy birthday again, Sing Time. Talk to you knucklehead, soon.